Hi guys, you're tuning in Magic Family. This is your host Mark Karaki, bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. Uh, this week, I had the privilege of sitting down with Mr. Adewale Yusuf, all the way from Lagos, Nigeria, founder of Talent QL and Old School. So, Talent QL is an engineering placement uh, company uh, where they provide engineering talent as a managed service or as a resources directly to international companies. And Old School is a tech school that is looking to bridge the tech talent gap on the continent. Adewale is a serial entrepreneur who is very passionate about entrepreneurship in general and education more specifically in founding education. You'll hear his story about how he journeyed to where he is right now with our school and what he wants to do uh, in terms of reforming the education landscape across the continent and making it more equitable for African youth. This is a great podcast and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Okay, Mr. Adewale, uh, how are you today? I'm very fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the Chinia Maji podcast. Uh, super excited to be speaking with you today. Uh, you are in Lagos, I imagine, or where, which part of Nigeria are you right now? Thank you for having me. I'm currently in Lagos, as we speak. Mm-hmm. I'm on the island in Lagos. And yeah, I'm in Lagosian. You're a Lagosian. <laughs> is, that, is that where you were born and raised? I wasn't born here. I was born in another city, uh, for, in another state. So we have states here. I think in, your, in Kenya, it's region, I think, or province. One of those. Uh, so we, we do states. So I was born in another state, uh, but I moved to Lagos over, over 10 years ago now. And I've been living here for, since then, uh, except when I travel as well. Lagos. Fantastic. Awesome. And uh, University of Ibadan, you're an alumni there. What, what can you tell us about, uh, about that school? How, yeah. does it, how does it rank so, in terms uh, of... Uh... <laughs> so for me, my, my school structure was totally different. So I went to the University of Ibadan, stated on my profile. But one thing is, I didn't finish. I hmm. left the school at the final year. And for some reasons. And those are the reasons why we are building one of the companies we're building, which is Old School Africa. Because we just realized that the curriculum they were teaching us was obsolete. And I became a rebel uh, then because I went to school a bit late in my career life. So I started the entrepreneurship before I even went to school. And I realized, mm-hmm. like, okay, I, I'm just, I was just wasting my time here. Then the curriculum is obsolete. The teacher doesn't even know. The teachers are not informed. Mm. And that just made me to feel like, okay, I'm not doing this again. And I went, uh, I looked for an alternative. And I've been doing, doing different courses online, learning different things uh, from Harvard. So that's one of the things. I didn't finish, but I left the school at 500 level. So I mean, 500 level means almost close to final year. When I left to graduate, but I realized I've become a, a rebel because by then I participated in some online classes, classes from Harvard, from uh, MIT, and yeah, it just got to a place that I just realized like I just couldn't graduate with this. It doesn't make any sense. But that's mm-hmm. it. But the university, we've had I said a great school. It's an amazing school. And uh, schools in Nigeria are still great. Schools in Africa are great. But I just believe that we need to build the next school. 
we need to change the concept of school, and that's what we, exactly what we are building. We're currently building the largest uh, school on the continent of Africa. Cool, sounds good. So you said you you went to school late. Uh, you you so you you ventured into entrepreneurship as your first foray in your in your career, and then pivoted to school. What were the considerations? First of all, why did you start as an entrepreneur, and then why did you now change to go back to school? What was what were the dynamics in there? So uh, for me, I think I stopped going into entrepreneurship uh, because I've been trying to I've been trying to build. Uh, companies for a while. I've been trying to. Uh, I I was introduced into tech. I think over ten years ago, mm-hmm. and someone introduced tech to me and said, "Hey, tech is going to be the future." And I started learning how to program. Then I started. I remember I picked up Python, picked up PHP, and a bit of C plus plus those programming languages. And uh, but later, I realized that my strength was storytelling then i joined a platform that we were doing blog then and later later in the i i went into starting my own company which is now tech point africa today which is mm-hmm. one of the largest uh, tech media platform on the continent of africa and while i started it i've always loved the concept of going to school i love the concept of schools like okay you have to be educated because a lot of people have mentioned to us, like, oh, if you don't go to formal school, you won't see opportunity, you won't get opportunity. And then I decided to go to school. I was in the school and I realized the school wasn't what I expected it to be because mm. all, a lot of our curriculum were obsolete. And mm. entrepreneurship, there's a thing about entrepreneurship, it just gives it confidence. Yes, mm-hmm. and you have the confidence to challenge everything. Then I kept questioning everything, like why, 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 why. And even when we are in class, I always question the uh, the lecturers and all that. Then later I just discovered like I, I really don't need this uh, because all I'm looking for is knowledge. Right. And the school is not giving me the knowledge I'm looking for, so the school just wanted me to pass the examination and right. just move on. And I promised myself that one day we are going to build a school. I don't know how it will happen, but we're going to build a school. And I'm so happy. And that was why Old School Africa mission is personal to me. To mm. build the largest school, that give people relevant skills, give African relevant skills for the future of work. And that's why this mission is personal to me. And yeah, that's mm. just it. You know? mm-hmm. I can completely relate to that. Uh philosophy because my whole thing is i always say that africa's biggest challenge and opportunity is unlocking its young potential its young talent so good stuff on that so so on in tech point africa before we get to to all school and talent ql how how did uh, talk to us about that tech point africa where the idea came from or how you ended up uh, building that uh, that platform what was the what was the trajectory for that one so i've always i, I mean i've always uh love blogging, love telling stories. I actually discovered that by mistake because there was a platform I was working for. The platform is called OTECBIT, which was a tech blog. And I used to be their writer. I remember I wrote for them. I wrote for the platform platform for a year as a contractor without any pay. I was just excited like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. Then one day I just 
message the owner and say, oh, I want to do this full time. And I resigned from the job I was doing there. And I joined them to do it full time. And later, the, the platform was actually kind of went under and there was some kind of handover to another management. And then I found myself not having a job kind of, but I started interest in photography there. So I went fully into photography. So mm-hmm. I'm a full-time, I'm a, I was a full-time photographer. Mm-hmm. And I think now I'm a part-time photographer whenever I see camera. So I started shooting, I fell in love with shooting because it's still another form of storytelling. Right. How do you tell stories so with pictures? And I did well. So when I came back one day, I realized that there was no platform where you can get information about what's going on in tech. And I was talking about late 2014, when everything was just starting in Nigeria, in tech in Nigeria then. Mm-hmm. I, I, decided to, I decided to do that. And so w- when I came back then, I decided to launch TechPoint. I think we built content for over a month. Uh, then we launched point on January 1st, 2015. 111. The moment it was 111, we launched uh, in 2015. We launched uh, TechPoint Africa. And from there, it was TechPoint NG because we had Nigeria focused and we moved to African focused. And since then, it's been amazing. Mm. So, so basically, it's been an amazing journey. So. You, you're in the media business. So describe the business model there. Like, how do you make money with TechPoint Africa? So there are different... So biz, media business is one of the toughest business you could ever go into. Mm. And what happened was then, uh, we, I went into media fully. And our model is advert. You yes, do some advertising. Then also you do some events, kind of events. Those are really eventually make a lot of things happen. Uh, but during COVID, it was really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really tough mm-hmm. um, to keep the head over the water. But I'm so glad the company is still there today. Like 20 uh, members still working, although I stepped down from operation fully. So mm-hmm. I'm no longer part of it. But it was an exciting time. You know, we did a lot of amazing things at the continent. We were able to host Jack Dawson, the CEO of China office. We're able to host president of Yale. We're able to host a lot of people. We're able to do a lot of amazing stuff mm. while we were there. And mm. I'm so, so, so happy we, we did that. And the company is still going strong today. A lot of amazing things coming as well. And they are still living on the continent. Mm. Okay. You said uh, media business is, is a tough business. Uh, could you give double click? Is- so talk a little bit about why specifically it's a tough business, you know, so that the listeners can get a sense of what that actually means uh, in, in real terms. So one of the challenges, when you look at media, it's very hard for you to compete against, uh, for you to compete against the likes of, the likes of Google, Facebook, mm. because they are the ones even consuming all the media buying right now. Mm. And so it's very hard for you to compete with them. And we need to, you need to understand how to play, uh, how to really work in those spaces, like competing with them is very hard. Mm. And also now information is not as difficult as it was. Although the right information is difficult to Mm. get, but information is now available almost everywhere. 
anywhere you turn so there's information there's mm. uh, knowledge you want mm. to get but getting the quality one is the major thing as mm. much as uh so a lot of people right now even twitter twitter is competing with you google is competing with you facebook is competing with you and uh you know and the barrier to entry is not as difficult as some of the other platforms so mm. that's one of the challenges that's a media talent. Mm. Or if you're creating strong talent, strong content, content is hard. Content is tough mm -hmm. uh, to create. Mm. But much, uh, for example, this is we scheduled this meeting for a while, and we are still having this call. It takes time for you to get this type of content, to get speakers, to get some of these things. It's very tough. Right. But right now, uh, and to get rewards for that is very difficult difficult as well. So that's just the media is tough. I know it's tough to crack it before you become uh, one of the top in your country, in your continent. Very, very tough. Right. It's a lot of work. But I'm so glad like we have uh, like what the team is doing is amazing. Have millions of people be able to find it. Yeah. It's mm. Cool. Mm. Interesting. Fantastic. So um Talent QL, was it the first thing you use? Because I know you have Talent QL and then you have All School. How, maybe you can describe the relationship between those two and also what came first. So, Talent QL came first. So, Talent QL was, we started, so the initial idea was to do some, what we're trying, what we're doing at All School now. But the moment we got into the market, we realized like Talent QL had to come first. So, which is job. Uh, you look at the continent of Africa with millions, billions of people, I mean, 1.4 billion people, and unemployment in Nigeria is at 33%. That's over 60 million people doesn't have job. Which, so we realized that why don't we connect them to global opportunities, to opportunities. And we started with developers because developers are very difficult to get. They are the most expensive talent to get, and also they are the talents that are not looking for opportunity. Right. So that's one of the things we now realize that, like, okay, let's start with talent here, which is job. We started with that. Then we now realize like, okay, we were right with our initial idea because on the continent, we don't have enough talent, mm. especially good talent that people are looking for. So there's more demand than even supply. Then that, that was why we realized we have to start our school. And that's what we're doing with all schools. So both of them complement each other. Uh, but both of them are getting to be independent of each other. Okay, fantastic. So Talent QL was basically a talent placement agency or what business was Talent QL in? And what does QL stand for? Two questions in one. <laughs> QL stands for query language. Okay. So talent query language. It's, okay. not, <laughs> it's not a placement agency. Yeah. It's, a, it's a company that we help international companies get talent and keep them on the continent and manage them on the continent. Also, we have local companies from every part of Africa. And we have clients in Kenya, in Ghana, in Nigeria, and Rwanda. We help them get talents from the continent as well. So uh, what we just, those are what we do. We are not an agency. We're just a company that deal with talents. Help you get the best talent, especially software developer, because it's very tough to get the right software but we have tools, we have systems to assess them and to get the best of them for you. So that's what we do. And that's why it's a query language. Got it, got it. So if, I, if I'm hiring talent, I come to you guys, 
if I need a software engineer, what's what happens? You guys, uh, yeah. what what happens? We have a software engineer. We observe. We first audit you if you are a company that we wanted to take, because not every company we work with. Then also we help you get the right engineers. And uh, if you want, we have two models. If that we keep the talent with us, or you have the talent yourself, and you manage everything. Got it. Okay. So you you guys also manage talent for other companies, essentially. Is that how that works, or? Yeah, yeah mostly international companies. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Um, so basically, uh, the new Andela or something akin to that. Uh, we are the new talent QL. <laughs> the new talent QL. Fantastic. Um, okay, sounds cool. So. Our school is now, I guess, how would you describe that in your own words, right? I know it's an education institution, you know, upskilling, but yeah, just yeah. describe that. Mm -hmm. So we, we are giving, as I told you, one of the challenges, one of the reasons I left school was because we didn't, the school is not giving, they're giving obsolete uh, resources, obsolete curriculum, obsolete knowledge. And we now decided to use talent OSCO is the school for relevant skills. So we are starting with engineering because that is one of the most demanded skills in the market. So and for, for Africans to qualify for jobs, to be able to empower the economy, we need to have the right people with the right skills. And that's exactly what OSCO is trying to do. OSCO is going to empower people to give them opportunity, not just through our own licensing and our curriculum, but also to some of the top global universities as well. That's what we are just doing in OSCO. OSCO is changing the way education is in Africa because this is the future. The future is changing. There's web free. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of amazing stuff coming out, and we need to be kept up to date. And that's what we're doing. Here. Fantastic. And when, when you're, so talk about your founding journey, like uh, your team, right? Do you, are you solo founder? Do you have co-founders? What's, what's that like? So I always have co-founders because it's good to go with people. Uh, if you go with people, you go farther than just going alone. So I always have co-founders and uh, have co-founders at tech points. So when I step down, my co-founder is the one stage leading the entire uh, ship right now. And here, I still have co-founders. So I have two more co-founders here. So we have three co-founders. And I always believe just finding people that are going the same way with you, it will be faster than you being a solo founder, just owning everything. Because when you fall, you all fall together. And it's easier to raise each other up than just fall alone where there's no one there. To understand how each the shoes. Mm. So, why don't you talk about your, your co founders, your two co founders currently, right? How did that come together? What skill sets do yeah. they bring? How did you guys, yeah, why, why, why is it working or what, how did you guys decide? What criteria did you use to decide that, yeah, we are a good fit for each other? Okay, so what for them, for example, I just reached out to them. I just said, hey, I just like, this is what I'm building. You guys want to build this thing uh, with me? And they were like, let's do this. So one of you, my co-founder, has experience building. He built it. He was the co-founder of Jobberman, one of the I mean the largest job portal on the continent of Africa. And uh, so he hesitated that then. Then one of my co-founders will also have an NGO coding school. 
uh, that he runs. And we just, I just look at them, I reach out to both of them. I was like, okay, I'm building this. Are you guys interested? And they said, let's do this. And it's been an amazing journey, also understanding each other. It's been over a year now that we've been together. Uh, we are still going strong with mm-hmm. other disagreements. And also, we align back. One of the most important things I think founders should understand is you need to have people you can fight with, mm-hmm. people you can disagree with, because it's like relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's, I mean, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. You need to marry someone that you know you can disagree with and also you can settle. So it's the same way we did. So we have disagreement, we, but we understand that it's for the company. And that's just, that's just how we've been building that. Mm-hmm. That's my thinking around co-founders. And so in terms of roles and responsibilities, three co-founders, maybe you can describe uh, a little bit of that because that's also very important, right? Like people have to have distinct yeah. skill sets, what they contribute to the situation yeah. and what the company needs. So maybe talk a little bit about how you guys, you know, set that up. Okay. So uh, first, uh, my own strength, I'm a people person. I uh, know how to put people together, how to lead people, how to get the best out of people. And so that's one of the things. Uh, so I run the company as CEO. My second co-founder, uh, Sultan. So he is from the coding school. He's a developer. So he runs more of our technology and also our plan, the best way to train people to get the best out of them. And the third is uh, Okwemi. Okwemi is in the States. So he runs the partnership and strategy as well. Some of the business strategy, how are we going to do? What are we doing? How do we make money? How do we stay what we're doing? And what's the best way to go about it? That's mm. just mm. how we distribute mm. our responsibilities. Mm. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so in regards to, you said one of your, you said you just reached out to them. Did you not know them before? Or how did you find them? Or did you have a relationship? Yeah, yeah so I have some relationship to them. When I said reach out to them, when I was just building, I was just to look like, oh, these are the best people I should reach out to in this. Why not? Mm-hmm. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and you knew each other from just networking or working together before? Or... Yeah, we know each other from, from networking from in the ecosystem as well. So we've known each other. They know what I've built. We've met you know, on different projects. And it was just very easy for us. It's people you know that you build with at the end of the day. Nothing right. else. And, and you know it's it's not easy to get you know ambitious people uh aligned at the right yeah. time to do things right uh it, it, it's, it's, so with each with each one there's an order of magnitude of difficulty right and then a third one is even more yeah. difficult to for all three of you to come together at the same time is is a very fortunate yeah. and rare situation if we just reach out to people because ambitious people are always doing things how would you attribute to the fact that they were just ready for, for this? I, uh, unless, uh, Adewale, you are a very convincing <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, communicator. Well, how did you make this happen? <laughs> so first, one thing you should know is I'm a salesman. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and the second thing also is they need, is about mutual respect. Uh, they need to they need to look at you like oh do they respect you and they seen you do something before because people look at you when you are not 
selling to them when you're not talking to them because they know like oh can i trust this guy with my name with my career with everything right. and that's what they do so it's just that you just everyone needs to have mutual respect for each other mm. so you say oh i respect this person's strength mm. and uh, i respect this person's strength and that's just how it works mm. you understand you need to also the places the best place people see people they work with is is about where you're working before when mm. you do when you're not talking mm. you understand those passive stuff you do mm. that's where people really notice you and people know that hey you're a man of my of your word and one thing my team knows is if i want to do something i will die doing that mm. doing what i wanted to do i will die there i will make sure we achieve that mm. uh, so no matter how it's so yeah <laughs> that's just fantastic Okay, so let's talk about how you guys now, what was the first, you, you had Talent QL, talk about that from idea to traction, you know, and then you pivot to old school. So give us a sense of what that process was like, right? Like Talent QL kicks in, how many customers did you generate over whatever period of time? And then you, then you say, okay, fine, it's time to kind of go in the school direction. Give us a sense of what that looked and felt like so by the way talent pivot is still running right. so we didn't pivot no when i say pivot i mean you augmented the business my my bad yeah mm. yeah <laughs> no, no, that's right. so uh we officially started operation early this year and it was trust me it wasn't as straightforward there as uh old school mm. because it was a lot of you know, in the market you're fighting for another market uh in in the US because we had to fight market market share in the US or compete with other people trying to figure what we do and before we say oh let's do it locally let's do it this let's do it that uh, so it was really interesting at the beginning and uh, reason being like we face different challenges and but one of the things you understand is this is a problem that people needed so you just have to solve the problem and make money out of it. Mm. So, but we were lucky. Also, we got into Techstars, Toronto. Mm -hmm. So we did that for three months. Some of the challenges we had then through the mentors, we were able to solve some of them. And we were able to keep growing. And we were doing, we're still doing some interesting month-on-month -month numbers mm. uh, in thousands of dollars that we're getting monthly. So thank you, it's a good business you on its own and so when we now have a small space to breathe and mm. we now have a team we now felt like yes i think it's time to now challenge the monster we wanted to do we wanted to tackle in the first place which is education on the continent and that's mm. why we decided to now launch our school and um, why talent is fine we have the team we have some amazing team from different parts of the world and um, that believes in the mission and what we're doing. And also we have companies that believe, we work with enterprise companies. And we also work with some of the best startups. We started out to just work with startups, but now enterprise companies came and we're working with them as well. Although it's always slow to work with enterprise companies. Yeah, they, they have so their own way, way of working. Yeah. Um, so talk about funding. So the critical thing, right? Uh, it sounds like you said that you went for Techstars in Toronto, did that come with some funding? And, and just talk about your, how you funded the process from, you know, when you started to, and the, uh, how much capital you've taken in, 
give us a sense of what that's been. So late, late last, so late last year we raised over three hundred thousand dollars, and then we went to Texas, we raised another one and something thousand dollars. Then also after Texas, we raised some thousands of dollars as well. So, but I won't disclose that because we've not announced them, and we are not. I don't think we will be announcing them. But right now, also, when is will this podcast be dropped? By the way, sorry. Uh, probably within the next one week. Okay. So also right now for us school, we're doing a big new job, a small brand mm-hmm. that we are also getting to close. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just we're not disclosing the amount until it's public. But it's just been an interesting journey to to for fundraising. We get people that believe in what we are doing, and we're just building out mm-hmm. that. Got it. Okay. Sounds like, uh, okay, uh, just general question. Are most of your investors to date international or do you have, what's the ratio between local, if any, and international or are all of them international? So we have a lot of local and I think it's mixed. If I think about this, well, I think for now we still have a lot of, like, let me see, we have maybe like 60, 40, Mm -hmm. 60 being local, uh, Mm -hmm. 40 being local. But by next year, we'll be doing some active fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this year, we were just like, we don't need some money. So we are good. Our revenue is good. We are in a good place. So next year, we can now go out and do mm-hmm. more fundraising. Interesting. Fantastic. Uh, this is great. So where do you see, the, what does the future look like for for our school specifically and, and, and yourself also? And, and where, where are you guys going with this? So, our school future is amazing. Building the largest school on the continent is beyond unicorn. <laughs> so, um, we know it's going to be tough, but we are excited about the future because we are doing this at scale. And uh, that's the future we are definitely excited about. And for me personally, I'm just taking it a day at a time. I love building businesses. I love being an entrepreneur. I love solving problems. And maybe in the next five, six years, I can fully retire from building businesses and just maybe be an investor. Five, six years. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's faster than uh, I've, ever, I've ever had anybody. If you, if you just founded recently, uh, five, six years, but hey, who knows? Maybe you have, <laughs> maybe you have uh, what can I say? Uh, your, your first One thing I'm sure of, in five in five six years, I am very sure that we'll be we'll be more than a unit. We'll be a unicorn company. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing I'm very sure of. Right. So and someone else can lead the team by then and lead the vision. I mean, I just retire to be a family man and just be an investor. <laughs> I I mean, I've committed. I've been an entrepreneur for like eight years now. That's over fifteen years of my life going into entrepreneurship. So. Right. Got it. So that's that's your your future is uh is more a slower pace uh investing and kind of raising your family. Yeah, just help, uh, yeah, help more people, help more entrepreneurs, fund more entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the future I'm looking at. Fund mm-hmm. more entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, because this is my primary market. So mm-hmm. encourage more entrepreneurs, also mentor more entrepreneurs. By then, I think I will be trading my knowledge as well, mm. so which is very crucial. Mm, it's true. 
And so, so who are the people you admire in the, in the, I guess, Nigerian ecosystem or Africa ecosystem at large? Who are some of the people you say, yeah, those are... So it's really weird because I can't name, them, name anybody. But one thing that you know is I admire every entrepreneur, mm. everyone starting out, also everyone supporting startup, building startup. It's risky. Mm. You know, it's... <laughs> Startup is a lot of mad place. You understand? You just wake up, a team, some small team will just decide to pick on a very big company. Right. And so I respect, I admire every startup, every mm. entrepreneur, and mm. every people building with entrepreneurs as well mm. in, on the continent of Africa. It's mm. a mad place. This is a place that there is no enough data. Mm. We're still building without data. We're building without a lot of things. And, um, we're seeing amazing companies that are solving a lot of problems. And you know, for us, for Oscar to be successful right now, we have people paying from different parts of Africa just because there's a platform like Cloudaway and there's a platform like Paystaff. There are a lot of other things that other people are doing and we're leveraging on that. We're building on those infrastructure. So I share everyone off. Yeah. That's a great answer. That's actually great. And, and so a final couple of questions here. What 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 if effect if any did the Flutterwave and Paystack kind of uh, announcements have in in Nigeria? Did you see any kind of inflection, change of behavior? What happened? Absolutely, absolutely. So those announcements, those startups really changed the game for everything um, because now startup startup valuation go really high, and I mean not. That is exciting, but also people believe in startup more. Mm. Now people are putting their skin in the game. Mm. I say, hey, startup go, I want to fund you, I want to do some of those things. So yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely they, they really changed the game. And now you can talk to your parents, like, oh, I'm building a startup and they have an idea what you're building. Right. And because now every church is a mosque talks about it. <laughs> Every church and most us about us. That's when you know you've hit you. You've got full market penetration. That's a, that's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Once they are talking about it, oh, you remember that thought that we people? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So you know, I I found it very interesting that uh, especially I think the paystack uh, announcement came right to right in the middle of the NSARS situation. Um, I don't know if yes, it's yes. for us from a distance, we were just watching and I thought, what effect did it have on that particular point of history? Because, you know, the whole NSAS thing was, you know, those people uh, were going after young tech techies. And all of a sudden here comes Spacetack that is proving that this is a valuable space and needs to deserves respect and protection. Was that how it was interpreted there in general or what effect did that have at that point in time with the NSARS kind of protests and all that? Okay, so for I try as much as possible. I mean, that was uh, I went out to support in the NSARS now, or also NSARS has become something uh, sensitive on the in Nigeria now in the country. Mm. So my comment around that would be like, but the flutter web guy shows that. People need to, people need to, I mean, this paystack story does show that young people are doing amazing stuff. Right. Young people are building and also you need to protect these people. You need to support these people. Mm. And also just imagine the business we do. 
we have uh, we have people that we are paying thousands of dollars that earn five thousand dollars, six thousand dollars, two thousand dollars monthly mm. every month, and they are still mm. living on the street of Lagos, and they can drive any car they want to, and they can do their hair anytime they want, uh, however they want it, and that's one of the things we are just trying to do. And yeah, it was it was an interesting time. Mm. Cool, I get it, man. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, it's been awesome talking to you. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, learning about uh, what you're doing and uh, your vision for for our school and, and uh, more, more broadly, even just for the Africa ecosystem. I think it's an interesting time and an exciting time to be on the continent. Uh, individuals like you and your co-founders and everybody who's, who's doing this stuff are emblematic of what the potential is. So. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and sharing your story and inspiring our audience. So uh, maybe we'll have a part two in a couple of years to see where things are. So Adewale, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast as well. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, All the best to you and your team as well. Thank you.